Welcome to More Than Words. Yes. This is exciting. We got a new format. Yeah, and he go, he all in. What? Get me uncomfortable. You talking about the format. <laughs> we don't got to do format. We are doing it differently. You know well, it's the same format. format, different style. Different style. Which to me is like. Don't say different. it. <laughs> don't say it. You go get me uncomfortable. You know how I feel about. Let's try to keep the format. <laughs> And then we have a whole bunch of pictures. We have like different videos, yep. like screens. Yep. We're in this cool place called Common Desk. We'll give them a shout out because they really do take care they of us. They do. Yeah, shout out to Jason. Jason at Common Desk on East End. Don't try to come up on us. Just FYI, because you'll never know when we're here. <laughs> this is in the past, just if you're listening <laughs> to us right now. But yes, Jason be- hooks us up every time. We also had our launch party here. So shout out to them. They take really good care of us. Um, also, the people who actually work here are actually pretty patient with us <laughs> given that we just be fumbling around here well, and also we treat it like our home too yes we bought all that but stuff. it is like a home because it has like the- <laughs> we brought all that stuff if y'all can see what's behind us it just look like we just we need somewhere to live <laughs> i think you could fit like 12 people in here yeah. and it's just us three and we, we're using all this space it actually is a room for 12 oh, it actually is a room for 12 <laughs> See, Jamie, so we have our guest here today. Um, Jamie is one of our really good friends, and she's going to be telling her story in a little bit. We're really excited. We wanted to do this in person because I feel like it works really well in person, Mm -hmm. and we want to start doing these in person when and if we can. If we can figure out the sound check, because the sound check was just funny. We have been working for 20 (laughs) minutes before this recording. Just FYI, just for those of you who don't know, uh, shout out to Guitar Center, who was trying to help us out. He was like, this is what you do when you hear the echo. He's the guy, I mean, he was awesome. His name was Ashley. Shout out to Ashley. Um, He was really dope, but guess what, Ashley? We didn't get to none of those answers that you gave us. We just went down to one mic, so if y'all can't hear us, Turn us up. Get your Bluetooth. <laughs> get your Bluetooth going. Because we done did all we can do today. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we're going to start our segment with our auntie moment. Yes. Shara doesn't know what I'm about to I'm say. I'm scared. <laughs> you see me nervous? Like, my face is a little like, ooh, what's she about to say? I know that I got this coffee cup to hide my mouth if I, I don't like it. No, Liz, what you going to say? I don't know, but we are now on YouTube for yes. those Come that YouTube. don't know this. We're now yeah. on YouTube. Just so y'all know, you can see you can see our angles today. I just want to go on record that I don't know what's happening right here in this midsection, <laughs> but it's really not as bumpy as it looks. I'm just, I want y'all to know. I don't know if this color code. Okay, first of all, that's an auntie moment. No, no, right? Because the aunties would be like, "Wait, you got to get my right angle." Listen, I <laughs> can see myself. I'd probably be twisting and turning to find mine. You look great, Jamie. I'm no, like, Jamie looks amazing yeah, you look with great. her color. That goes with the color. We need we need coordinate. Yeah. Yes, we didn't coordinate this for sure, but we do look, no. we always look fly. And so we do have there's that. Guess, there. Which is this wig that I brought, I got today. <laughs> so just FYI, y'all know I don't really got my braids, but I had to put on this wig today because it's a hair day. We ain't going to get into the cultural importance of a hair day, but this thing had to be ready to record and ready for some action. So for those of y'all see it, y'all can see I got a whole vibe. This is my Yonce. Not Beyonce because it's not as nice, but it's Beyonce for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so my auntie moment is um, so Sharon and I are both coaches. Are you a coach, Jamie, too? But anyway, she coaches anyways. She's one of those people. 
She always coaches people. She always connects people. As everybody knows, like I'm moving over to the UK. What did you do immediately when we were do we were having a cooking uh, class? Oh, I have a friend in the UK. <laughs> Let me go ahead and connect you. As a matter of fact, I think she's in Manchester. Do, 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 do. And then so there's the connection. Always. So um, she's a coach, whether she's certified or right. not, or like it's official. Well, you know, it, she's official. official. <laughs> so when you're coaching, you're always coaching. It's always on. Mm-hmm. And it's this thing that happens to you. And you and Sharon and I always are on the phone with one another. And we're like, but I'm not coaching you right now. <laughs> and then a question will come out. And then it'll be like, well, have you considered this? Here we go. Or <laughs> uh, what would happen if this happened? And how true is that? Shout out to Melanie Ryan right. for always giving us always. that question. How true is that? And she does this side thing right. too. You'll meet Jamie. Hasn't no, met Melanie. I haven't met Melanie. Yeah, yeah, you'll That's definitely meet Melanie. And so my oldest one, he's a Pisces. Uh, he's a re- replica Sorry. of his TT Shara. Yes. And I'm a Pisces he, as well. Oh, Jamie. Okay, so I got my two Pisces. I'm a Capricorn. We know that. We knew that. so much about you. Capricorn. didn't even have to tell us. No, they, they about their money, their business, and they don't mess with my money. With don't mess with my coin. My best friend about Capricorn, and not just get bossed around. You just show up when they tell you to show up, and you talk a little junk, but you still end up doing it. You know what I mean? But they about their money and their business, and typically they are right. I hate saying it, but they usually right. Because they haven't thought about they haven't thought about it enough and try to figure it out enough. You can follow. Them. I ain't saying you should. Oh, you heard that? You heard that husband? Don't uh uh-uh, don't get me involved. You heard I'm that husband? To get good graces. <laughs> don't put me in there. I'm trying to get the good graces. I need that guest room um pass. So the little one is frustrated because his friend is um he says I'm just really frustrated at my friend. She always picks the song of the day. And, you know, because songs of the day are really important. That's why that's on our survey for our guests. We always ask song of the days because we have a we have a public playlist that's yes. going to be live soon. Yes. But, uh, but we always be shady, y'all. Y'all know that was for me. That blink, blink, and that subtle slowness of talk. That's when she's talking to me. Because she makes sure so put this playlist out. I'll be like, can we get a few guest lists? Because I know you got 45 songs on there for just you. But what about the Those are our songs. Like Every Allegedly. song, there's some songs. It's definitely us. And you then now it's going to be our guests. And then it's going to be our community. And it's gonna, I want to see how it evolves this over time. I'm just glad you asked for our favorite song song or a song of the day because I'm not really a music person so I don't have a song of the day oh, but my but your favorite, favorite song and Cher already know what it is because mm-hmm. everywhere I go I ask for it like even out of the country and it's yeah is With? oh it's MC Breed ain't no future in your front yes. <laughs> that's it that's, that's gonna be good on our playlist know, you better get to go you better that. get to going <laughs> and, and know it because it's for grown folks yeah that's grown up talk I was gonna say no kids around <laughs> this ain't no fella what they say in Peloton where they be like uh, this is for grown folks this is for grown folks <laughs> <laughs> this is a girl class so anyway so the older one goes oh Noah I'm really sorry that you're frustrated that that I could I can see why that's frustrating what about it makes it frustrating for you no. <laughs> and I'm driving and I'm like what what'd you say he's like I just I'm just making sure he's okay I'm like first of all the second they've not been in daycare or school for a couple weeks now because it's the summer and they're 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 offered so this this second one is bringing up stuff from I don't know when making it up. Yes. 
right? Come and then on. the other one's like, well, let me go ahead and swoop in here yeah, and do it. I'm movie. like, you have been following your TT yes. Shara yes. a little bit too long. That's your mama. Long. Don't, get, don't get the TT in there. That's your mama. That's TT Shara. He, he, hear, he hears you talking to other people all the time and you stay coaching. I'm going to tell y'all right now. I'm looking at all the cameras, all the cameras. Liz will coach. Liz don't know nothing but coaching these days. She practiced at all her coaches, okay? Liz be like, I'm talking to your friend and all of a sudden you be like, man, I know you coaching me. You don't ask me three questions and he said nothing about you. I know you coaching me. I'm not calling you no more. That's why I tell her. I was like, I'm not talking to you. No oh, more. yeah, but I call you I and you can't like... need to call her. I probably need some coaching. No, no. Oh, don't do it. Yes. No, yeah, let's do it, don't Jamie. Do it. No, then I can't get through to get stuff done. Okay, so wait a minute. So first of all, I want to put a shout out. You know, man, we tearing up. My little baby over there coaching in his age group. Not to mention, I felt like in that moment, and I didn't want to uh, tell you this, but I'll tell you now, I wanted to whoop whoop. But you won't get that out of me in real life because this joke is, please be trying to do the Arsenio Hall. And I just, <laughs> do you don't remember Arsenio Hall? Don't do it. Don't give it. No, don't do it. Because she aging us. We really wasn't that old with Arsenio Hall. But you be still trying <laughs> to break that. that I used I'm to old. watch it. I used to watch. You was not that I feel old like our is. family, I always talk about like our family, and I don't know if other Latinos feel this way too, that I feel like the Latinos in the U.S., and I, I know I'm stereotyping and making generic comments, but at least for my family, we were always 10 years behind like what was trending. Right. On so TV, maybe I was sure. like 10 years behind. So I felt like I was watching Arsenio Hall live, but maybe I wasn't. It was that basic case. That was that basic TV rerunning me. Don't know, y'all. I'm trying to tell y'all. Go it's like at, the little butterflies that we used to have, like with their little little butterflies on our hair. Hall was really running, Liz. Check the check the years. I don't know. I felt like I was it watching it like by. maybe what late eighties. Very early nineties. It was very early nineties. We were definitely in. I was watch. I know I was watching it. You may yeah, have got a like weekend, a rerun. I was watching. No it. way, Liz. I'm talking to your mama. I'm talking to my developers. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't handle this. Yeah. Then you keep trying to bring this forward. I'm telling you, it's rebuked. Okay, let it go. Okay, but who? What other? What other host walks in it's like true. that? It's true. No, it's for real. What? Okay, host. I mean, seriously. Even Oprah Ripley get the cheers and like the, okay, yeah. she might give me a car. Yeah. You car. get a car. You get. No. But who walks well, no. in? Right. Who? 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 Who walks in? Like nobody walks oh in God. that way. If you're on YouTube or any video, I definitely want it to disappear. I don't have a superpower, but that might need to be one to put forward because that was. Horrible. I cannot wait you until whoop. Arsenio Hall is on our podcast. I'm speaking him. it into existence. We're going tag him because I just can't. I'm gonna tag him. First of all, I hope he do come. I want to see how many things we can talk to him really about because we were young. What are we going to? Talk to we gonna have to get us an expert opinion. Y'all no. need me. Y'all just need me. I, tell you, I, I, wasn't, wasn't, I feel like I, I was watching your life. You were not. Check I'm almost ten years. I don't know your age, Liz, but don't I know I'm almost it. ten years older than Shara. And when we have our and I'm speaking this into existence too yes. because we do that. Yes. When we have our symposium, yes. conference, a more conference, some, more some. retreat or yes. whatever. I expect every single person that comes out there when we come out to don't do our senior Don't hall. say this. Don't say this. Don't say this. This is like what I want to do. Listen, can I, do I get an opinion? Is this a two piece? Like, what's going on here? I don't want any of that. If they are whooping when, I, when we come out, I am going to just be like, okay. You're going to love it. Nah, <laughs> you're going to love it. You'll be like, yeah. I'm just going to look at you, Liz, like I always do and be 
like, why are you telling people to do stuff like this? Leave it where it was. It's a legend. So anyway, we're going to introduce our guest for today. Uh, so if y'all don't know yet, her her name is Jamie. Uh, we're not putting her last name out there. Unless she will put her last name out there because that's how we roll. But Jamie, I know Jamie. Uh, so at our, one of my companies that I worked for a long time ago, I came in like a fresh um, hot off the presses, girl from BC, trying to go in corporate with all these dreams. Um, James, one of them people, you know, like people, you know, I, I told y'all about this before. When somebody tell you that name, they be like, have you met Jamie? Hey, <laughs> that's the way they know she's black. <laughs> she might be just like you, right? And so they was like, do you know Jamie? And so Jamie, they came up and um, literally I met Jamie within the first couple of weeks of me being there. And I was just like moved to Houston. I ain't know nothing. My mama and I, we didn't even... We were so surprised that a company paid for you to get on the airplane to come check out our job. We didn't know what to do, right? Like, <laughs> we living our best life. So Jamie basically took me under my wing like she has done for so many people. And she basically was like, all right, this is all the things you need to do. These are people, the players. And then she taught me the best thing, which is, okay, here's the social life. Okay, let me <laughs> take you out and show you H-Town. And so the part of the reason I'm still here is because Jamie did that. But when I think about Jamie... Jamie, before Employee Resource Groups was at our company, Jamie was called, started something called The Fam. And it was just one of those things where, like, you so new to, you young, you new, you moving about the, 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 the different places with a company that you supposedly trust. And you're being this black, you're black, right? Like, you may be the first person who got a corporate job, who got a salary job, and you don't know nothing about nothing. So Jamie created what we call the famine, and you all, who probably know more like employee resource group or business resource groups, it was the, the affinity version of that. And what I'll tell you about why that's important to me is because the community, the, Jamie's always been who she is. Like, no matter, she's talking to an executive, she's running a DNI strategy, that's, that was the work in which she had done in HR, but no matter what she was doing, she always created community. And one of the best things that I've taken away from her has been that that creation of community far exceeds anything you're ever going to deliver at a company. So no matter where you sit, people are always going to remember how you feel, right? That my Angelo yeah. quote. So that's Jamie, right? Like no matter wherever she is, she's going to come 100% like herself. So all this energy, all this activity right here, this was the evolution of that, that BC girl trying to find her way. And having examples like Jamie, who was just like, no, when you come in corporate space, don't change who you are. You just you just address your audience appropriately, yeah. but you be you. And this is it, right? So I, I want to honor Jamie in that way by saying, look, thank you so much for uh, give it, pulling me under that wing because I don't know if I would have necessarily been not only with that company, but also just in general state and corporate. Like I had a real plan to just go back and live uh real simply <laughs> uh, so anyway i want to introduce jamie jamie, jamie. yeah so jamie one of the things that we wanted to enter um we wanted to talk about today was really your journey right like i try to give them the context of the journey before but man when we talk <laughs> when you talk we talk to you it's always something going on it's always something important and you've had a really impactful thing but we like to start with the being um the diversity wheel right and you being a dni practitioner and knowing that you've done this work and led this work i'm sure you probably looked at that and was like i remember that <laughs> hard to forget it <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, you got to see the wheel. We brought your memory back. And we took that from you. That was work that you put into place um, um, in our old life, our past life. And so we we took that on. Right? So I hope you get to see some of that legacy, you know, that work that you put forward just kind of keep leading the way. But now we're putting you on the spot. 
Now, of the diversity wheel, which are those dimensions <laughs> best represent you and your story? So, there's two, kind of three, but the third one wasn't really on the wheel. Oh. But that, that, I know that that doesn't matter. So, the first one is physical abilities because I'm currently um, dealing with that, like in a wheelchair and been dealing with it like for the last five years. Um, financial status I think was one Mm -hmm. that's another one because I've been laid off since 2015 so for seven years and so financially um, my finances dropped and so then being in a position where you're needing things Mm -hmm. in people but then not being able to like compensate people or um, necessarily buy everything that you need mm-hmm. so been dealing with that and then the other thing that's not on there it was kind of work status in terms of me being laid off and for the last few years I've been on disability um that's kind of another because especially for me because a lot of my identity was tied to being who I was at work um so yeah, so those would be the three. With the one that's impacting me the most is obviously physical ability. Yeah. So for those you can't see, uh, Jamie is in a wheelchair. Uh, we didn't position it this way; it just kind of happened that way. Uh, <laughs> J- Jamie calls it the VIP service sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Handicap is a new VIP. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back to um, how you identified previously. Right now that you have your kind of your your what you most identify from the diversity wheel and you having to change kind of the identity from previously how did that shift happen and then what changed within you in terms I mean I know like you know you're 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 obviously you're wheelchair bound and you're also you have your financials but in you within you and your spirit like what how did that impact that so that's one of the things I think that um and I know I'm probably skipping around, but that's one of the things that I think most people don't recognize, whether it's a company or just, you know, just people, is what is happening to you. Like, so what's going on physically is visible. So it's more so the invisible Mm -hmm. things. And so, like, um, you know, I have medication for depression. I have medication for anxiety. Um, I've never looked at myself as being depressed more so in a funk and that tends up that comes up because I tend to not want to put other people through kind of the and I know other people will say this I know she was gonna say this um kind of the burden of me um and like you were saying with when you're talking about your son you know it's kind of that mom thing it doesn't really matter what other people say it's just how you feel like because I said that once and so what it does to me is it um it withdraws me so it makes me like my current physical situation especially um it makes me want to just be more withdrawn like just be if I'm laying in my bed I'm not falling on the floor so then I don't have to bother my son to come and pick me up you know those those sorts of things you know if I'm not going out then, you know, we don't have to worry about how to get Jamie in. So it's kind of like I don't like being a spectacle. So, like, before I go somewhere, like, I do have to do a lot more 
legwork, like to make sure that I can get in someplace and get around and those sorts of things because I don't want to get somewhere and then have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I just don't. Like so first that. of all, you don't ain't gonna let that burden pass without me. Because <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just about to give my little Ooh, coach hat yeah. on. I'll be like, uh, tell me a little bit more about that burden. Uh, so, and I'll tell you, just uh, so I, I had been staying in. So then I had a friend who came to visit that lives there now. Um, and I said that to her, mm-hmm. you know, that that's why I was staying, you know, kind of in because I didn't want to be worried. Mm-hmm. And it actually made her cry. You know, mm-hmm. she's doing the whole you're not a burden thing. Um, but then, and I've never told her this, and I know you want people to watch this podcast, but I'm hoping <laughs> she doesn't see this. But um, that actually made me feel worse. And I knew that that wasn't her intention. You know, she was telling yeah. me it wasn't a burden, you know, and she started to tear up because I don't want to make anybody feel like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't want her to cry, you know. Mm-hmm. So it made me feel like, I needed to be careful even with what I said and how I expressed yeah. how I felt because that wasn't, I didn't, I didn't want to make anybody else feel yeah. bad. So yeah, so definitely um, when it comes back to the diversity will, the dimensions have changed because if this would have been pre-surgery, like while I was working, I can remember like things like um, race and gender, you know, those kind of things coming up. Um, yeah. Because I worked in HR, I can't remember what that's called on the wheel, but you know that was that was a big thing, um, especially in Orphan Refinery. Um, <laughs> that was yeah. So where yeah. I worked was a big was a big thing. Um, but yeah, so the dimensions have have changed. Wow, Jamie, thank you for sharing that because and I, and I can definitely see the when because I had a strong reaction right now when you said I feel like a burden and it's like I've known you for a long time and what I remember from you and you are still this way you're a very vibrant person you love life I mean you have your travel company the is it called live like live like gold be golden golden, travel (laughs) I'm getting a little shout out for Jamie there but um, she puts amazing trips together but I can definitely see why you would react that way to someone having such a strong reaction because it's like you're already going through a lot and I can't handle your emotional baggage Mm -hmm. when you're able you're an able body and I'm the one that's going through this Mm -hmm. and now I have to then carry on additional baggage Mm -hmm. emotional baggage from someone else who doesn't have this experience right and just that and yeah and just not wanting somebody else to feel that yeah I don't want what's going on with me to impact your emotional well-being yeah at all so and as a as a as a friend right that it, it's you know it's just to get on my nerves i'd be like girl if you don't start talking about this burden mess you my friend <laughs> <laughs> what we talk about here if i don't care you in this chair or not we rolling like and i'm not even trying to make no pun it's just like we we out like this is who you are the person that's in our life and we care about you so whatever that can need to look like let's just do it but the withdrawing piece i think that that speaks to me a lot because i'm a private person but i recognize how much 
in instances when people are going through differences, right? Like a shift in the, whatever their diversity will, or just a lifestyle lifestyle shift, you got to reach out more. And I got to practice that recently about to put Liz on the spot. Liz had the boys, you know, basically to herself this week. And I reached out because I remember, I mean, I, I know you, this probably not, I mean, you've seen this uh, piece about being a burden, but I listen as a person who don't have the same experiences or lifestyle as other people. I try to be able to reach out and be like, you know what? If Liz didn't reach out to me in 2020, I wouldn't be here at this podcast. Or if if I don't reach out to Jamie, then we not. I haven't seen her about. We need to go out. We need to yeah. do something. I need to be in in community. But those moments of you know, it's not just about trying like you thinking about it being a burden. But sometimes we need that connection. Like you have filled me up in many instances, as not just in our friendship, but in career wise. And it's like when you're absent, right? When those people who really matter to you are not there. Um, or at least feel in that same capacity, that part is really still important. That connectivity, that relatedness is still there. And I will tell you that, um, you know, like when you've reached out and things like that, that that is very helpful because it makes you feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And even though, in, for, for me, at least in my life, like nobody's been, um, I'll say like, or unresponsive. So like if I've needed something or asked for something, like nobody's been unresponsible. Like I always say, like we're like, how could you be so, you know, positive or upbeat and stuff? It's like it's hard to not be grateful when I've had so much, you know, support and encouragement and stuff from friends and, and family. But um yeah, so it's definitely helpful, I would say, when people proactively offer things because then you don't feel like so much of a burden for me is because it's just been so long it's like I just hit like my five-year anniversary so for those listening or watching um I had in 2017 so in 2015 I was laid off from work and then in 2017 they discovered I had a tumor on my spine and so when I had the surgery to have my tumor removed I woke up completely paralyzed from the waist down. Um, That lasted maybe six months or so. And so just since 2017, it's just been up and down. So like my current situation with me being in this wheelchair has been almost a year. And the primary reason is because I had a fall and tore my meniscus in my right knee. And that was already my bad leg. Yeah, so it's just a whole bunch of stuff with that. Um, But that's the primary reason. And then my left leg wasn't in a condition because of um, some spinal cord things to kind of compensate for the right. So with the two together, like, yeah, it was just safe. It's safer for me to be in a wheelchair. But um, I am learning how to walk again, again. And I think that's a um, a good point, you know, kind of to kind of give people the backstory. But let me give it from the uh, the friend side. So <laughs> first and foremost, let me just go on record. So this is about to get real, get real friendly, right? I, so first of all, so Jamie tells us randomly, right? Just randomly. So all right, y'all, you know, just FYI, you know, they found this tumor, and I'm going in. They said I'm gonna walk within a couple of days. Yeah, right. That's, that's what so, I was told. So we friends, neurosurgeon, right? Right. So we <laughs> yeah. friends, we like, oh, okay, Jamie, and we side corner um 
go around the corner and be like, what is she talking about? This is what you, what do you mean you got a tumor and now you going to surgery and this need to happen. So anyway, friends unite, you know, we get the tribe together. We like, okay, Jamie, you know, tell us your journey. We will be right here, right? So Jamie goes there. We all done took a day and a shift. And I mean, we all in it, right? And shout out to her sister who was um, in family, right? Like uh, the whole family, I'm not naming all our names, but you know, and her son, everybody who just was like, we here, we in there, family, friends, right? Like everybody had a day, everybody had a role. Jamie goes in. We expected her to be out. Like, okay, this ain't nothing, right? It's going out. She comes out and it's like, oh no, now everything, it didn't happen the way it's supposed to happen. It was way bigger. I need to go into rehabilitation. So now we move into another facility. And when you go in there, it's like, as a person who's not going through that experience, you recognize the severity. Now a hospital should trigger you to do that, right? But it's not. It's seeing that you, it's veterans in there. Um, and shout out to TRIR who is who gave Tier. you that care. Tier was, I mean, you go in there and it's it's something out of, like, I mean, you cannot imagine being there and you're like, people are literally changing their lives. Like, your life is totally different than how you came potentially came in here. Yeah, what you thought it was going to what be. What you thought it was yeah. going to be. And now you're physically and mentally going through a trial yeah. of who do you want to be now. So it just took got real heavy for all of us. And we all took a day. We were all there. We were like, okay, we made yes, her practice. Yeah. <laughs> when she had to practice getting into the chair or, or using her crutches, we was there, right? It was nothing that we wouldn't do for her. But when she come fast forward we get through rehabilitation Jamie on trips we in Cuba she got her crushes yeah I mean she's rolling we in I mean we traveling heavy we in and out and everybody is it's so normal and then the shift happens again with the fall and then it's like oh we just wait for Jamie to come back out of the crutches and then we all realize oh my gosh like things are not are, are, are not the same and now there's yeah, a new reality with the with you and your chair. And so it's been this journey of like, you know, not only trying to be supportive, but also trying to parallel create the new spaces with our friendship of how do you be keep the level of friendship and love and capacity and now come into these different realizations about what that may look like. Because yeah. Jamie and I travel buddy. Like our birthdays <laughs> the same day we travel. Like we like, all right girl, let's go. We went to Australia, New Zealand. We was she was on the crutches and now it's like, what does that look like? We got yeah. new spaces that we need to play in together. And so I wanted to share that journey because I think it goes back to, you know, I had to struggle with even some stereotypes. And I think I want to ask Jamie a little bit about like what stereotypes kind of show up? Because I will say, because you are you, I didn't have any real, like, I just never thought about the ability. I have a similar story mm-hmm. with, with Jamie, because we oh. did the cooking class together. Mm-hmm. And she made a comment. She's like, the, the table's too high for a wheelchair. And I said, it sure is. And I was like, man, that's my pr- pr- privilege as mm-hmm. someone that, that can walk and, you know, and that's my privilege for not even thinking mm-hmm. about Oh, what about a wheelchair accommodations? You best believe I did email those oh, I people. Know you did. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah I need to be accessible to wheelchairs. And but I mean, yeah, like how did that? You know, and I think that's one of the biggest things. So even like for me, <clears throat> having been in diversity, but not ever experiencing, you know, any kind of physical disability. Um, and I've even taught classes and put together presentations and things like that. You know, had speakers and stuff on. You know, people with disabilities and how Mm -hmm. you relate to that so it's um 
But just like you were saying, and I find that it's true. So just like um, you have a white privilege, you know, you just don't, it, you can have a, um, a able-bodied privilege. Mm-hmm. And I had that as well. Um, so things like curb cuts, counter heights, things that you just have never had to pay attention mm-hmm. to. So you, you just don't. So it's kind of like a blind spot, you know, it's just something. So those are things that I never paid attention to until I had to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So not necessarily a stereotype, but blind spots. And then another one, like I said earlier, is, you know, people, you see, you see people with maybe some kind of a physical Mm -hmm. disability, but then not understanding or not, um, you know, just considering the mental or emotional parts to that you know because there are things that I have to deal with that I'm pretty open so I tend to maybe discuss but I'll discuss it with certain people Mm -hmm. but um you know not everything for everybody everybody yeah not every conversation um well it's such a hard emotional roller coaster for you because you had an idea of how your life was going Mm -hmm. You had this situation and now you've had to, like Shara said, had to figure out how you were going to redefine your world and your life and who are you going to be after you or throughout this and after this. Right. Mm -hmm. And even before you can get to that, there's just like some basic functions. So like when I initially had to go back to using the wheelchair, um, bedside commode, like when those things were even initially suggested to me, I was adamantly against it because like the um bedside commode it was in my garage with plastic still on it because I never really used it like Cheryl was saying you know traveling with crutches and things you know having to go back to a wheelchair which I had been out of the wheelchair since um after I was paralyzed unless I was going somewhere that was like a museum or something like long distances that was easier but um Yes, I was against that because to me, it felt like I was going backwards. Mm -hmm. But now I use both of those things on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Um, But you know what, though, Jamie, I think the um, I think that here in the the shift, right, like there's a lot of shifts that happen that I think people take for granted. Right. Like you, you know, if I go back to some stereotypes that I now have to reflect upon candidly is you know when you see someone in a wheelchair you all automatically assume that it's either from birth or some accident right you can't I mean it, it's sometimes you just you just have to make those quick judgments to kind of label things and move throughout right life but I didn't think about now I, 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 I am very much so more conscious of how I move around different spaces and how I encounter people who have different abilities and whether it's physical or or even um, neurological or whatever the case may be it's almost like I don't want them to have feel like there's no any burden that there's anything that sh- shouldn't be considered because they they should be considered your needs should be considered. I'm right. able body. I walk in the room. Something should be considered. Why I'm tall. I'm a big girl. I mean, I can't be on these thin chairs. Like I mean, there's things that we all deal <laughs> yeah. with, right? Yeah. But it's like we can't. We have to normalize it such that you don't feel that that's a problem. Like one of the things Liz and I was really adamant about when we chose. Shout out to Common Dads. We did our launch party here, but we went through several different venues who said 
said that they were ADA accessible and all they would do was have a ramp from the door to the mm-hmm. from the from the street and, right. and, and, and I hope it's not on the street because that's another thing you got to be out in the, the street street where the cars are going or they had a ramp but you couldn't get into the bathroom because it was a step or yeah. the event space had no or not platform. wide enough for not a wheelchair mm-hmm. or they yeah. weren't flat meaning there was like you know, ideally, if you wanted to move about the space where we wanted to have the event, someone would have to open up the door or it was a ramp going down or they they said ADA, but they didn't have any space in the bathroom for you to be able to it was bring like the wheelchair. bear, the bear. Yeah. And it's like and you're a lot already of places are, are a lot of places are like that. So you so just because somebody says they're accessible. You still have to go. How first. accessible. Yeah. So those are things like um, even if somebody says, hey, let's go to lunch at such and such a place, then I have to look the place up, you know, either I'll ask that person and if they don't know, I'll look the place up and um, either email or, you know, I have to call yeah. sometimes because it's like, you know, will I be able to operate in that space? And like I said, I'd rather know that in advance, whether I can or can't, so that I'm not just showing up. So can I say something real quick, Jamie? That's a lot to put on your shoulders, right? So one is like not wanting to be the burden to someone and carrying that emotional baggage. And then also saying, geez, like now simple tasks are very difficult. I mean, I can definitely, and and I've, what I've known of you are all these years is that you are a very vibrant, very positive person. Like there is nothing ever getting you down and you're going to live your life to the max. What, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but what, I guess, what do I want, what do I want to say? What do you maybe like hide from people that you keep to yourself a lot? And you don't have to answer this if it's too private. No, I'll answer it. Um, and I, and I, and I've already talked about it. It's really that, um, feeling like the burden and, you know, and then there's also some some fear, you know, I'll say there's some fear in there and I don't show that I don't talk about it, but basic, you know, going back to, you know, some basic things. Um, yeah, it's a lot of just basic things. Like sometimes if I'm in the bed and I want to roll over and I have a, you know, like if you want to roll over, you just roll over. Yeah. I have to like grab onto the bed and then, you know, do all this kind of stuff. So it's a lot of extra things, you know, and I tend to not, talk about that. So I think sometimes that makes people think things are easier than what they are mm-hmm. because I don't really talk about that. And some of that is, I think, being a Pisces where you just kind of cover up, you know, you just kind of gloss you over. You put on the needs to everyone else. Yeah, and, and so in general, this is where I thought you were going to go. So in general, um, when I brought up being laid off from work earlier, um, that was one of those life-changing kind of things that was unexpected that happened. And I was able to get through that. I just felt like, you know, if it's my time to go, God must have something else he wants me to do. So when I woke up paralyzed, um, initially, very initially, I thought that maybe my anesthesia hadn't worn off because my surgery ended up being like a 14-hour surgery. So I'm thinking like, you know, maybe that was it. And so, because the doctors were just a surprise. Like Shara said, you know, the doctor told me before surgery, hey, you'll be walking out of here, you know, three, four days, you know, home for three weeks. And, you know, that's it. I spent like a month between the hospital I had the surgery in and tear and came home in a wheelchair. Um, so it was completely unexpected. 
but I had gone through the experience of being laid off. And so that was also unexpected, but I saw that I was able to get through that and be okay. So when, um, the, when I came out of surgery, that's kind of how, that was just how I felt. This was something else that I needed to go through and, um, and it, you know, and I'd be okay. So that's, I think that's part of why, because I was on that path mm-hmm. at first where everything was, you know, getting better, um, kind of going up, but then it kind of backtracked a little bit. Um, still not sure what happened, but just um, after a couple of years, um, I got to the point where I could get up like from my bed to go to my bathroom. I could do that walk. So inside of my house or whatever, um, maybe, you know, I might have to touch on some things or whatever, but I could walk. And then I got to the point where I couldn't go from my bed to the bathroom without either my walker or my crutches. Um, and that pretty much, I never, I, I hadn't, hadn't been able to overcome that when I had the fall that um, injured me. And before that, you know, falls were like, yeah, no big deal. You know, I fall, I get up, you know, that kind of thing. And it's different now because when I fall, I literally can't get up. I have to call my son. He has to come and get me because I... I just can't. Yeah, and I, I think there's a good point to shout out all the caregivers. Like, I, I cannot, there has definitely been a huge shift with the people who love on you or in the immediate space and, and, and the care that they've been providing you consistently since everything. So I'm going to shout them out. Uh, but I also want to shout out all the other caregivers who are, who have to deal with this all the time. Right. Because I think that's just one of those things like, I, you know, I get on, I haven't been on this soapbox on the podcast, but I just feel like, you know, we are at a place where dependent care needs to be broader than children Absolutely. and that we need to have more resources and responsibility for anybody who needs the level of care. We typically say parents or elderly. No, I mean, for anybody who has a transition in their life where the increase in care is is dependent on someone else. And the reason I say that is because there's so many different, so many people behind the scenes when I hear Jamie talking about her story, that every day is a part of that care and that network that's mm-hmm. outside of the friend group who probably needs the level of support and love and um, storytelling around that too. So I hope we, we have space for that. But one thing I do want to bring up, and Jamie, I don't think we ever talked about this, so I hope it's okay. Um, I'm using my friend coins, you know, right now. Um, But I will say, you know, there was a moment. So Jamie's has always been very positive. You've always been positive. And there was a point when we were sitting in your room, when you first, like we were at the tail end of like your first uh, surgery and sitting there and he was like, and I was like, okay, Jamie, let's, let's, let's do a vision board or let's think about what's going on in the future. And she was like, I don't need to. I'm focused on every day making the most of every day and in my my selfishness right because I'm her friend like we need to think about the future so you got something to look forward to it was in that moment that I was like that's what I want for you that's not what you need from me and what you needed in me for that moment was to say no I am happy fulfilling my full day this way and I will never forget that conversation because we spent so much time thinking about what's next what's next what's next we were literally sitting in there, girl. The news was blaring. We was talking. And, you know, Jamie's in her, at the time, was in the hospital bed in her room. And I'm just sitting there, like, you know, trying to be a spirit lift, meaning I thought there was some work that I needed to do other than just showing up and being a friend. 
like I would normally do on any other space. But because of her physical um, capability change, I thought I needed a shift. I needed to change. Yeah. I needed to start leading in some way. And that was that abled, that privileged behavior showing up. Yeah. And I had to catch myself, and I've been reflecting on that quite a bit because it's like, no, you don't need me to tell you to do something this way or that you need to have something out there, far go, or this is how it needs to be. I just need to hold space for you. I was going to say you brought up a good point about the caregivers and um, I think that that's a group of people that people tend to not think about so even if you think about in like the workplace Mm -hmm. you know people who are caregivers for somebody because when I think about my son and the things that he has to do for me like he even has to get me out of the bathtub because I can't get out by myself Um, but for him as I'm going to call him my child, even though he's an adult, he's still my child. Um, and I'm older, but I'm not old. You know, what I'm, I'm not elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, the things that he has to do for me, you know, I'm sure. And he doesn't complain. He doesn't, you know, make me feel bad about anything. Um, but I'm sure for him, those things are difficult. You know, and so to so we don't think about that, that emotional toll that it takes on mm-hmm. caregivers. Just again, some of those basic things, like I'll say, like even when um you mentioned me being in a hospital bed. So when I came home from the hospital, I had to have a hospital bed because I had to learn to cast myself and all of those things. And my mom, who's laid off, she came down for what she thought was gonna be th- my three week recovery, for, and she ended up being here for three months. Um, but before she left, one of the things that I had to learn how to do was change my diaper. So that was one of the things that she had to do. So here I am, this 40, what was I, 42, 43 year old woman in diapers that my mother had to change. So again, so the, you know, just the emotional, mental, um, shift that that has to take. So here I, you know, here I am a 43 year old woman and my mother has to change my diaper. But then for my mother, you know, being a, a and she is my age, I guess it's considered elderly. I know she's I was say, more physically. She's, she's, like, she's like mama D. She's in way better health than any, most um, people I know have her age. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but for her to be that and have to change her adult daughter's diaper. So when you think about other caregivers that have to do those kind of things. So, yeah, when I talk about, you know, some basic needs, there are some basic things that you literally, mm-hmm. you know, either can't do for yourself or just need some help. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I mean, I think you bring up a good like what's coming up for me in this conversation is like we don't think about. So like very specific things, right? Uh, the privilege of me being an able body in my, in, in my ability. And you don't think about like, when I go home, I don't have that, right? I don't have those extra burdens. Yeah. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, you know, well, you should be positive and you should, you should look at the bright side and everything happens for a reason. But the truth of the matter is like, it's hella hard. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and, and hearing this story, like, it's like, I, I'm starting to think back at all the times that I took that for granted because I am a very future 
type person. I always look at the future. I mean, Sharon and I always vision board and do all that <laughs> stuff. And it's like, wow, like living in that day to day moment, it's it's so important and it and it puts everything back into perspective. It's like today I'm gonna live in this moment and because things can change mm-hmm. in the future. What about living in that present moment? What did that what did that do for you then and what does it do for you now? To be honest for me, it's more I don't want to call it stifling, but it's it's it is more limiting to for me at least because for me living you know for the day is different than somebody else who's being present in the moment you know that kind of thing Um, because for me again a lot of the day-to-day stuff is basic things um yeah it's it's just a lot of basic things and then just the you know, if I stay down and I don't fall down, you know, those kind of things. So um, that's one of the things I don't think people get. I know I'm changing the subject a little bit because another thing is, you know, people who I'll say kind of don't quite understand, but they think they do. Um, And then they're like, well, you know, you should be able to do this or, you know, you should be doing it. And it's like, no, I can't. And then when you try to explain things to them, it sounds like you're making excuses. And it's like, everything isn't an excuse. I will acknowledge some things are, but everything, you know, isn't. And even with me in my situation, it's a lot better than some, I'm, I have a, I'm part of a Facebook group on, a group on Facebook, um, for people with spinal cord tumors. And some of those stories are much worse so being able to be more positive and things like that I always think like it could be a lot worse like I don't have um what I would call um real pain and there's people in this group that have had to have like pain pumps implanted and you know they're trying different medications and different things you know to see what works and I'm blessed not to have to deal with any of that so there's some stories or you know somebody who just had a baby and now they've got this tumor and you know they're trying mm-hmm. to decide whether to go through surgery or not um depending on where your tumor is in your body um so mine was low enough that it impacted the lower half of my body but some people have one higher up and so like their arms and things like that are impacted um yeah and and so that's another thing is learning or recognizing that um everybody disability is not the same so like everybody in a wheelchair doesn't have right. the same yeah. issue and they don't look at it the same I'm also in a wheelchair group wheelchair mobility users I think so it's called on Facebook um, and I refer to myself as being um, wheelchair bound because for me being able-bodied for most of my life and then being in the wheelchair it's more so kind of a, a hindrance in, in some ways for me like right now I can't get in and out of my car or even in and out of my house on my own. Um, So for me, it's more of a hindrance. But if you've been in a wheelchair, like, due to a birth defect or just since you were younger or so, they view the wheelchair as freedom. Because without the wheelchair, they wouldn't be able to get around and and do things and live their lives. Um, 
Yeah, so in the group, I referred to myself as being wheelchair bound, and then it was I got backlash from other people <laughs> in the wheelchair. So that's that's one of the things that I think, um, and um, and people don't know that. So like even yeah, when you're I talking no about, mm-mm. so like even when I was on the crutches, like because people would just assume like maybe I broke something. So you know, people would ask, you know, like you know, hey, you know, what happened? And then when I would tell what actually happened, and then they would look like mortified and it's like yeah I know it's a lot more <laughs> than what you were expecting right. to yeah. hear because I you know I think most people were expecting to hear you know I twisted my ankle right. or I you know yeah broke yeah. my leg or something like that um yeah so it's so that's a big thing I think is um talking to people because even in this wheelchair group like a lot of people are adamantly like feel very strongly about people coming up to them in different situations it might be a family member or sometimes a stranger or whatever and pushing their wheelchair like to the point where they have like spikes mm. that they put on a thing like and it's actually a crime which I didn't realize like if you just push somebody in a wheelchair like that's considered an assault because for which I guess a lot of people is cons- yeah, it's considered yeah. part of your body. So just like, you know, you, you know, coming up to a person, yeah. you know, and just pushing you out the way or whatever yeah. that, I mean, that's, that's technically, you know, know, an assault. Know. So, yeah. So even with the wheelchair that, you know, it, it can be considered an assault and yeah. So. so how do people typically navigate though? I mean, how do you navigate that conversation? Because I do think there is a, you know, there, people want to know how to appropriately engage. I've heard people say, you get down on one knee, you talk to somebody. I've had somebody literally yell at me. We're like, why are you getting down to talk to me? Like, what's going on? Like, and I, I mean, and this is, I was like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? And I've had people that I, I leaned over and I talked to and they was like, okay, so you can take a knee because you, you're not going to have my neck. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. those types of things that ju- that makes it such that people don't want to engage, but I ain't that person. I'd be like, well, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going I'm to acknowledge the moment and be like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry because the last time that happened, but how do you want to experience yes. How do you need to be experienced? Again, it's yes. like meeting people where they're at. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it is difficult to know mm-hmm. and the only way to know is to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's a difficult conversation to have because I'll say the majority of people, the vast majority of people don't want to offend mm-hmm. or do anything wrong. And so they'll just not say anything to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, in the pre-work, one of the questions was about um, resources. Or something. I think crucial conversations mm-hmm. is really um, important and it can help you to structure how to have those conversations, but that's something, you know, so to me, because everybody in the wheelchair, you know, some things are like basic, but yeah, you know, things like, like for me, I don't necessarily want somebody to have to get down on my level, but I could see where, you know, if I have to sit here and crane my neck Mm -hmm. up and we're having an hour long conversation, it's like, yeah, I'm going to need you to sit down. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause my neck is getting tight, but, um, But I wouldn't want somebody just to come up to me and feel like they had mm-hmm. to kneel or something like that mm-hmm. um, to talk to me. But yeah, so those are conversations and things that, you know, you just have to ask. I can remember being in um, Thailand and I met a girl from America um, and she asked me, you know, what do you need me to help you with? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was um you know, it really meant a lot to me that she asked that question because um, there are so many things that you can't do that 
more often than not, I would say, you know, when you're able to do something, you want to do what you can. Yeah. So it might even be, you know, I want to try to wheel myself. My arms may eventually get tired and I may need you to push me. But, you know, initially, you know, although I'm not opposed, if somebody wants to push me, <laughs> you can push me. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but there are people, who, you know, who do want to try yeah. it themselves. Um, you know, if I'm able to open up a door, you know, I want to I want to be able to try that. I know my boyfriend, um, when he first came to visit after surgery, you know, he was scared. He thought I'd be one of those what he called mean wheelchair people because he had tried to help some people in the past and, you know, whatever. But um, I think that's what it boils down to is like you have to have conversation Mm -hmm. with people to identify, you know, what they need and that kind of thing. And and like I said, I know that it's a difficult conversation to have. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the onus is on the disabled person. I can remember when I worked and um, I had a supervisor who had an employee who, I don't know what was wrong with the employee, but the employee was taking some medication that made them very emotional. Mm -hmm. So they were in a meeting and... um, and the supervisor at the time didn't wasn't aware. And they were in a meeting and the person just like broke out crying. And so other people in the meeting were having, you know, a response like, you know, dang, you know, like, why are you crying kind of thing? Whereas if the supervisor had known, she would have been able to kind of diffuse the situation. And I know, you know, it's it's HIPAA stuff, you know, um, people even in the workplace, you know, aren't allowed to ask but that's where I feel like there's some information that the person with the physical disability or whatever um or with the disability um if they did share you know could make things easier so like when I'm doing an interview or something you know I'm very open about you know what I've been through and this is my condition so like if you want me to come in for an interview I can come in because I'm able to drive. I drive with my hands. I have my car has the equipment so I can drive with my hands. Um, but like I said, with this not being in this wheelchair, I can't get in and out of the mm-hmm. car yep. by myself. <laughs> so if I go for a job interview, somebody has to get me out and bring me in. And- but, but I think you bring up a good point about equity, right? Like once again, you, it, I'm sure the listeners as well as others, and I know we have to close soon, but really the, the piece around equity, like right Regardless if we were having this conversation about a person of color or anybody mm-hmm. of difference, the 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 equity and what we need to think about the individual and the systems and the habits and the behaviors that we have to put in place to support people where they are and what they may need. I love that question that the um, person in Thailand said. Yeah. That was really uh, impactful. But I think we can do that across the board, right? Where it's like... We need to have more of these engagements where we're like, can't assume just because Liz is smiling or that I'm okay, that you're okay. Because typically, like, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, no, go go. but like, typically, really strong people, and I think. Jamie, mm-hmm. I don't want to assume this, but you are oh, very. Strong. I know, I know, girl, I know <laughs> okay, you are. Good. I will give you that one. Let me, but typically, really strong women of color 
do not ever want to sh- like we have issues and I'll put myself in there Sharon knows come on. I'm you know, uncomfortable right now so my shoulders are up but we don't want to show that vulnerability we don't want to be the vo- the vulnerable we don't want to be the burden we don't want we are typically the matriarchs of the family mm-hmm. we're the ones that people come to us I just had this whole conversation with Mama D about like because we're my mom and I are both the same I was like mama I haven't figured this out she's like Mija, I'm 65 and I have not figured out. Like, I'm okay giving my whole self to mm-hmm. everyone else, mm-hmm. but I am not okay with me being not mm-hmm. my 100% right. self. Right. And it and it's just like, if someone asked me, you know, and Shara's really good about, like, last week, right? I could have just pushed through at home with the two boys, but she called me and the, the woman in Thailand and said, what do you need or how, how do I help you? My thing is like, when you think about places like workplaces or anywhere, there's a whole different group of people and you go and meet the needs of it. One of the questions that I always get from an opposing view or someone that isn't a hundred percent on board or, you know, or, or, or anything like that. It's like, well, it's not going to be, is it really, is it really, um, what's, what's the word? Is it, how are we going to meet every single person's needs? You know, is it reasonable? Is it, um, is it doable for companies? Mm -hmm. And, and the one that I always get, and, and I have, honestly, I'll be very honest. Like, I don't know how to answer this back because I always think about it from a people standpoint Mm -hmm. and it's hard for me to like even answer this for them, but they're like, we're a place of work, right? <laughs> I'm balling. I'm balling. No, but you know, the video? Don't I'm say, balling, okay? say, well, this is a place of work. Like, yeah. this isn't your home. You know, we're not here to cater for everyone's needs. Yeah, bring it. But, and, and, and I have, I have real, like, I have mm-hmm. very strong reaction to mm-hmm. that because I'm a person. Mm-hmm. You're a person. Right. You're a person. Put the person the saying, you know, put go ahead, go on, coach. Go on, coach. Oh I got to put you in the game. Oh, my God. But it's God. like, how do you answer those kind you of questions? Well, oh, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say, like, from, you know, that question about the work thing, um, if you're the employee that has an, the issue, let's yeah. just say, or an employee hat, you know, has some kind of a disability or whatever the case may be, um, the company is paying that person to produce. Yeah. So if they have something that they need in order to get them to produce mm-hmm. and it's reasonable, mm-hmm. what's what's the issue? What does it cost so you? So that so you know when it's like this is a place of work, it's like yeah, and the company is paying you know this person mm-hmm. to work. Mm-hmm. So they're paying you know however many dollars and they're expecting to get That's that right. amount of return. Right. And so, it could be a and, and that and what accommodation it's called reasonable accommodation. That is the the formal term for HR for. But at the end of the day, it's really such that your work environment is fluid, right? So there's always going to be a need to understand what the employees' needs are generally, mm-hmm. and then narrow it down by teams. What are your team needs? But then also narrow it down. And when you're on a team, you're not just a group with one name. You are a bunch of individuals, individuals. that need to be supported. So it's like when people give me that. Oh my gosh, you get me hot. That BS line <laughs> about we can't meet everybody needs. You can. You know how you do it? You already doing it. You gave that person a job. You listen to what made them unique and different. 
Yeah. And you brought them into this organization. So what's the difference? What makes them unique and different now that they're here that you may need to support? No, I'm not saying that everything needs to be a yes. But you need to have a transparent conversation about what you can do and what you can do and let everybody choose. No different than when you do it when you bring them in the organization. Like when you have a job description, you're like, well, yeah, we can't meet that salary. We can do this. We can do that. And guess what? You accommodate. You see them so as a how different person. is this? It's not different. Yeah. It's just that you choose not to because it's an inconvenience. Yeah. And mm-hmm. whatever that inconvenience is, whether the company inconvenience or the leader's inconvenience or whatever the case may be, don't don't get it twisted. You buy, you got you don't have no more time. This new generation has given all of us the permission and access to say we need an environment that makes yeah. us feel that one we matter, like Jamie says, and two that you want us to be here. And when you say that, it means that you're willing to support. So I'm not I'm not for I don't appreciate that conversation nor that I did back when I was in HR, y'all. Because I can you tell? Because I was getting hot. <laughs> but I will say that I just think it's BS, and yeah. I think it's transparency. Go back to your crucial conversations sometimes you just have to have the honest conversation this is what I can do this is what I can do but this is what I want to do that's I love it. that I love that that's it yeah because sometimes that's what makes Jamie a unique leader because Jamie be like okay sure let me tell you what the HR answer is mm-hmm. and she would give me the HR answer she's like okay now if this not the HR answer but this is if I was you or if I wanted to kind of give you a bridge here this is what I recommend and that style is what people would appreciate even if you can't give them a yes and I think I think 2020 and all the remote work that we're doing Mm -hmm. I think this is why people don't want to go back into offices because for two for lots of reasons one they can be wholly themselves at Mm -hmm. home and 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 not you know not have that expectation that an environment is going to give them what they need like they will then have have what they need whether if it's like a physical ability or a mental ability or like just kind of that break right you don't have to show up in the space and and have to pretend to be something that you're not absolutely that corporate drama that we talked about earlier you know you don't have to you don't have to deal with that for me personally um I would prefer more of the hybrid because especially doing diversity kind of work, I feel like at least initially, like you need to be mm-hmm. within a company with people to get a better feel for that culture, you know, and to understand those issues and just to, you know, be able to connect. So I do feel like you do need that if you're coming in new, like if you've been there for a while and you understand all of those things, then I think remote is you know, a lot easier, but at least some kind of a a hybrid, at least initially. I would agree. I started, um, I had a new role opportunity. And when I came in remote, it was super hard coming from somewhere where I knew everybody. I would say it's super hard, but what I will tell you, and I mean, whoever's listening, just go, hold, go on and just hold, clutch your chest for a second. It gave me a new opportunity to look at work differently to say, yeah. you know what? I ain't giving you my everything. I'm not giving you the loyalty or the ownership that I allowed you to have and the accessibility you had before I got to choose what parts of me that I provide here, how I'm going to navigate it. And I didn't feel that heaviness and that responsibility that loyalty typically gives. Mm-hmm. And it actually kind of helped me out because I started looking at how I spend my time, like how do I give you the best of what you're paying me for? And also for me to be able to do it in a way that I can be authentic to myself. Yeah. And I prefer that style. And if I had that available to me in my previous life. That's that empowerment, right? Okay. That's like getting you, like how do you take your power yes. back? Yeah. And they would have saved more money with me because yeah. candidly, I get things more efficient. Like when mm-hmm. I have my autonomy, I'm sitting here like, okay, so this one, I'm time blocking. Shout out to my sister who helped me do that. 
but I time block. I know when I'm focusing on this, this, and that. And yep. I'm telling you that I don't, I have a different level of respect for the work and what I need to contribute and who is a part of the team than I would normally, when I'm like kind of lively, I get using that day in the office and be like, hey, y'all, what's up? Let me talk to everybody. And then I figure out how to do work later on that day. You know what I mean? So I, I, I have an appreciation for that, but I, I do appreciate getting to know the land, the land, the land. And I, and I agree with what you're saying because the times when I worked, but you know, maybe needed to work from home or whatever it was, I do feel I was definitely more productive. One of, and I know this is a personal issue, like my work day, like would bleed over where I could work all day from yeah. home because, you know, I'm at home. Mm-hmm. And so I would tend to put in, I would say more effort when I was at home yeah. and um, definitely can be more efficient at home. But going into the office piece, I think it's just, I think it's important just um, when you're new yeah. to be able to have some face time with people and mm-hmm. get to know people. And I know you can do all of those things, you know, through Zoom and all of that, but it's just not quite the same. One of the things to share's point, right, is having that autonomy, right, and saying, hey, like, this is how I work, and, you know, and and being able to have that. So, Jamie, I know, like, we're kind of going over a little bit on our session, (laughs) but we knew that this was going to happen. You can edit. Yeah, that's how we get it. How did you, how did you get your power back? Or do you have it? I don't know that I necessarily have it. Um, one of the ways in terms of kind of getting it back, I know Cheryl won't agree with this, <laughs> that my friends do, um, is, um, so I'll say like for right now, one of the things that I feel like is or will give me some power back, I have a trip planned <laughs> to Rwanda and Uganda solo in September um, where I'll be gorilla trekking and on safari and you know just she's making a lot of faces over there she's one that doesn't want me to go my son the other day um, found out I was going and um, I thought he already knew but apparently he didn't he was like you either take somebody with you or you don't go and I'm like the take somebody with me is not really an option and me not going is not gonna happen even if I just have to go and just sit, but then I have to even think about that. So even mm-hmm. from, that's part of that, you the know, flight. some a lot of those basic things. So like initially my primary concern, and I really didn't think beyond that was, how am I gonna use the bathroom on the airplane? Then I found out that certain planes, including the ones that I'll be on, so certain models, like the big body styles, um, Airbus, um, the, you know, like seven, uh, seven sevens or whatever um they have wheelchair accessible bathrooms with the aisle chairs but then for me that's another thing because again not wanting to be a burden flight attendants have you know things that they have to be responsible for in a flight so i have to be prepared like first of all i don't want to have to use my call button to call somebody to bring me the wheelchair so i can get to the bathroom so then, you know, I have to try to figure out what I'm going to do because it's 20 hours worth of flying. Because I know it's at least nine hours from here to Amsterdam and then four hour layover and then another 11 to get to Rwanda. So, um, and then when you leave outside the U.S., you know, you don't have the same um, 
you don't have ADA protections. So I did find some hotels over there, and this was a relief, with um, ADA wheelchair accessible bathrooms. So that was a big thing for me was, how am I going to use the bathroom? Because even if I can get on the toilet, getting off without... You need support. Something, or, yes, yeah. any bars yeah. or anything, yeah. you know, is yeah. very difficult. Yeah. And yeah. then I have to be careful about if I fall because nobody's with me to yeah. get me up and I can't get myself up. Right. So I did find some stuff that I need to get. I'm going to um, an expo next month, um, in a couple weeks actually, that um, an abilities expo that will have different tools and and things um but then i have to be yeah so there's a lot of things that i have to think through and be concerned about so i know i'll need to take the wheelchair some friends have been helping me with um some walking but then i figured like even if i'm able to walk like with my crutches or whatever i still won't be i'll still need mostly the wheelchair so but that'll be helpful like um you know, if I need to stand up or those sorts of things, but then it becomes like, dang, do I have to travel with all this stuff? Mm-hmm. So I've never traveled with the wheelchair before. Okay. I waited until I was out before I traveled, and then I just hadn't needed. I did get this one for like traveling and stuff because this is just one I bought off Amazon. But I have one that was custom made, mm-hmm. and I call it my Inspector Gadget Chair because it a lot of stuff has to happen. But just like they've been having those issues with lost luggage and stuff I, you know it's yeah, like, you don't oh, want to risk yeah yeah what if they lose a break yeah. you know this wheelchair I don't have as much of an issue with I mean it was like maybe a hundred fifty dollar wheelchair yeah. as opposed to like my custom yeah. chair but I do want to go on record so let me just say I am that friend who is anti this trip and I don't, <laughs> I, don't leave, I don't leave a space without letting people know that so let me run it down for the audience so a couple of things. One, typically we as a friend or tribe or try, even family will try to go on a trip with Jamie, right? That's not, a, we exhausted the options at this point. So that was also the piece. The second part is, it's because of, you know, our personal fear for how, not, I mean, it's not about having faith, not having faith in you and your capability. It's about once you outside of the support system, how are you going to be supported mm-hmm. in these places that don't recognize or have the same level of appreciation around the accommodations needed for those of difference? And so that's really where this conversation from a friend standpoint or maybe from a caregiver, whoever is in the audience listening to this on the other side, because I know somebody like, well, why don't your friend go with you? <laughs> yes, we've all tried to, right? <laughs> um, but what I will say is, you know, a part of this is, as on the other side of this is, you know, recognizing that this is a moment for you, Jamie, to have your power, but also the the powerless that we feel in this moment to say, we can't be there to support you, or we don't know if all the things that you have planned is going to play out the way it is, and it leaves you vulnerable. Yeah. And that vulnerability is the part that we're all trying to play with in this moment, which is, if we can't be there to help, or the, or the people are not there to support you, then we just don't think we're trying to find our safety but on the other part of that is this is your power movement right so support because i can hear that she's very like excited very excited she's very adamant and i know that it'll be challenging and there's a lot of things i need to think through and so what cheryl's saying i know and i know that that's where my son was coming from um so it's not so much a you know we don't want you to go it's Mm -hmm. we want you to be able to be safe and without 
anybody there that you know and can trust right. like what if something happens because my son was going to do what happens if you break your phone right you know like what do you do then you know mm-hmm. so a lot of so there's a lot of things that I need to think through I'm okay now with the bathroom on the plane issue. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was like a major. Yours is the cringing because this is a conversation. She, oh, every time this conversation comes up, she's like, why are you talking about this? But I, I laugh because, you know, I, I will say that one of the things about this, and I hope people at least heard in your story, is that, you know, all of these transitions for you, there's a, other, a group of people on the other side of that trying to transition and support and kind of maintain yeah. that connectivity and relatedness <laughs> to you and who just love you. But I, I, I'd be remiss to step back and say, this is so reminiscent of like the times we've been going through from like a race standpoint or from a gender standpoint mm-hmm. for women rights. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can layer this conversation and I don't want to take away from what we're talking about, about abilities and differences. But I do want to say that this is the same skills that we would yeah. need to have a conversation. I think crucial conversations is big, is, is big. Being able to, because I think a lot of conversations don't happen regardless of, like you were just saying, you know, what the issue is, whether it's race, whether mm-hmm. it's gender, um, physical ability, whatever it is is because the vast majority of people just don't know how mm-hmm. to have the yeah, conversation. Absolutely. So that's why I really like the mm-hmm. crucial conversation because I do feel like if we can find common ground, so like um, that's another one of the tools I know we teach was like finding common ground. Mm-hmm. Because if you can, you know, no matter how small that is, and then if you can build from there, yeah. but first you yeah. have to find out, you know, what do we have in common? So if I'm a black mother whose son just got killed by the police and, you know, you're a white mother and your son's at Harvard, you know, well, okay, we're both mothers. Mm-hmm. We both have sons. Mm-hmm. You know, we can we can start somewhere and then, you know, we can talk through yeah. what the differences are. You know, why is my son, you know, just killed by the police? Why is your, you know, versus your son yeah. being at Harvard? Um, but at least, you know, once we start somewhere and once you find that common ground and have some connectivity there, you can, you can build on that. You can have those conversations. Relationship is important because that makes a lot Mm -hmm. of conversations easier. Does it mean that you can always still have those, but it makes it a lot easier to be able to have those. If you have some form of relationship with the person and especially, you know, even like if it's a coworker, even if you just, you know, have a little morning chit chat at the coffee yeah. Bar that's some level of relationship, and that's that gives you somewhere to go. As opposed to, um, I can remember an issue. Um, this was in like an IT organization where you had a bunch of contractors, and the contractors didn't have their name on the um, like the pie. Cubicle. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this other person, and I want to say the person might even been on the diversity team didn't really say anything to that person just because they didn't know that person's name. Right. So it was something as simple as that. You know, they just didn't know that person's name. Um, and so therefore they didn't engage in any kind of conversations or, you know, think about anything. the things that they could have missed out on. That That's person, what I always yeah, think about, always, right? Always. If I don't talk to someone, it's like, oh man, I could have missed out on right. So <laughs> when it, people are talking about yeah. some of these work, you know, work related um, accommodations, I mean, what is that to put somebody's name? And it doesn't have to even be one of the permanent, yeah. you know, name yeah. plates. Yeah. You know, we have like 
the temporary bar where you can stick the paper yeah. thing in because they're you know they're yeah. contractors so they wouldn't be there. But yeah, so something as simple yeah. as that. So so sometimes we allow those things that are very basic to be barriers yeah. in be, in us being able yeah. to have those conversations, build that relationship, yes. find that common ground. Yes. And so I think powerful. those things are important. The finding the common ground and building the relationship. Right. And also I would I want to add in there too is one we we oftentimes tend to look at people's stories or their situation through our own lens. Mm. Come right? on. Come That's on. That's what I'm trying to think. In, yeah. and intent versus impact I think mm-hmm. is another thing yeah. and that, that goes, you know, both ways in terms of um what a person is intending versus the, the impact, impact that mm-hmm. it has. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people a lot of things I think and I know I'm being, you know, glass half full, but I'm one that doesn't think in general, I'll say, that people have ill intent. Right. Like for me, even being in a wheelchair, and I know this is one of of some of my friends, you know, people for me have been more helpful than not. Right. You know, when people see that I've got some kind of a disability, Mm -hmm. people tend to be more helpful than not. A lot of times it's me saying, no, you know, I don't need it. And I always remember once, and it was coming back from Cuba, um, but it, I was with a, a group of people and I saw this lady who just had all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I made a comment about the lady and then one of my friends was like, that I, you know, who had offered help and I was like, no, 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 I'm fine, I got it. And I've got all this stuff. But um, she was like, yeah, that's how you look. <laughs> 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 and, it, and it really made me think like yeah. oh wow because yeah. here she is like juggling just like all this stuff yeah. like trying to get through here I am yeah. doing the same thing and I've yeah. got somebody yeah. who's offering to help me right and I'm like no I'm okay right. I got it you know and um or yeah. the opposite of when when employees or people ask for help and you don't do anything about it I mean how many times have we done some consultations or whatever where people were I'll, I'll give you an example I just shared with um, Liz I was like I was working with a different client um, a while back and they were working looking at a new facility and one of the things was a conversation about where you put should we put the uh, future mother spot right like we don't really need that do we you know we don't really need that because we want to put the you know these people we want to put some EV you know like these uh, smart cars and I was like but what does your population ask? Like, right. what's your what demographic? Your, yeah. Like, yeah. What, where are you getting this data from? It's nice that you want to have these, like, a fuel-efficient cars, but candidly speaking, the price of the fuel-efficient cars and what you're paying your employees, is that realistic <laughs> that you're going to have people there, one? And then, two, you do have, a, like, at least 20-plus percent women in this organization who are in the demographics that could be in between it. Wouldn't you want to put some parent, like, some yeah. future so doing things that are impactful right. versus just doing it because you think that you it's think. the well, you think yeah. and, 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 all, I, I've all, and I've always felt that way you mm-hmm. know just talk to people mm-hmm. yeah you know and you can find exactly. out what they need because I, I can remember even when um I was at the refinery you know that was always a thing like when things would come from corporate onto the field because things sound good right in theory yeah. it doesn't mean that they're good that they work in practice yeah and so yeah so like we would always say i remember when i left the refinery go to corporate they were like um yeah don't you know become 
Well, we put things. using quotations, um, wrong. <laughs> quotations but, but it was like you know and what they meant was you know all these projects right. or things that they would want to implement make that sure that it makes sense of where well, you're yeah, at it includes yeah. us it includes yeah. us this is inclusive because we worked out in the field for a long time oh, and yeah. it was like things yeah it sounds great but you can't apply that yeah, to every yeah, every single situation. thing yeah. yeah so you know it needs to be able to adapt or maybe you don't need it at all exactly. like that that might work in an office right. environment. Yeah. That don't work right. out here. And I think from a Once DEI standpoint, like I think that's why it turns a lot of people off mm-hmm. when you bring in DEI work. And um, just because like, it's like, well, it sounds like a good idea, but the reality is mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. And so when we go and facilitate conversations like this, we don't bring ourselves in it. Mm-mm. We o- always ask the collective. Like we mm-hmm. go back and say, what do you need? Right. And what do you want? Right. Again, it goes back to, you know, when when you have, I don't know, Shara's going to get better me this, but like your trip, for example, right? Shara's putting her feelings mm-hmm. on Absolutely. it, right? Her She's worry. She's not the only one. <laughs> yeah, for the friends group, they're putting their feet, they're putting, they're setting you aside and putting their feelings right. on it. Rightfully so, right? Because they love you. They're mm-hmm. doing it from and a it, place yeah, of love. And, I love it. and you're saying, this trip is so significant to me. And I am able. I'm not. And because you are a very strong person. I'm strong. And this is my power move for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it has to be changed, you know, I can't do. I know I can't do certain everything. things. Yeah. So, you know, if if I have to not do those things, you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, and first of all, y'all ain't going to talk about me like I ain't here. So <laughs> well, I have one more question for Jamie, if Good, I can ask. It, one more question it. before, well, two. One is, what are you hoping to get out of your trip? Aside from your power, like this is your power to get your power back. What else are you hoping to gain from your trip? Um, I think even just for myself, and it, and I don't know if this goes back to the power or not. Um, just the feeling of I can. So, like, I can remember going to Thailand, and I had been maybe a year or so after surgery, and I had just gotten the controls on my car, like maybe earlier that month. So I had been a year of not being able. I remember to drive. that post. Yeah, and it was kind of like. So being able to be in Thailand solo, because I, I met a friend, but I was there for like maybe two or so weeks, Thailand, and I went to Laos, like solo before she got there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just felt so good just to be able to be independent mm-hmm. and not be on somebody else's time. Because no matter, again, how nice people were, you know, about... Um, taking you places you were always very aware of being on somebody else's time Mm -hmm. so like if I say you know I need you to take me to Target and then on the way it's like dang I really need to go by Walmart you know I'm not necessarily going to ask you to deviate like oh you know I need to go to Walmart you know Mm -hmm. too because I've asked you you've taken time out of your day you have kids or you have other responsibilities so I don't feel comfortable necessarily um you know asking you to change it up yeah. So being able to be by myself where if I want to make a change, I can. So like, you know, your autonomy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's why even on this trip, I'm OK with being solo. 
Because again, you know, if if I can't, mm-hmm. if I just don't want to, if I don't feel like it, I don't have to. And I don't have to be concerned about, you know, am I messing up somebody else's trip? Because everybody I know doesn't like to, or just, yeah, doesn't like to be alone, mm-hmm. you know, when they travel. So they want somebody else to be with them. So even just to go out of the hotel, just to go to dinner or whatever, you know, they want yeah. or need somebody to be with them. And I don't anymore. I used to be kind of like that, but I'm not like that now. Um, but yeah, so you don't have to feel that sense of responsibility for somebody else. You only have to be responsible for yourself. Um, so yeah, so in terms of what I'm getting out of it, I think, um, so when I travel, I tend to, and this was even before disability anything, but I tend to push myself more. So before surgery, I would say like, when I'm at home, I won't walk around the block to get my mail out the box, mm-hmm. but I can go out of the country and climb glaciers and, <laughs> you know, I'm climbing it's volcanoes. It's that whole because I can. Things, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. And, and you know, it's like that, that because I'm here. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll push myself more because I'm probably not coming back here. So I'm going to do what I can do. So I can remember even like um, times of, you know, oh, like just wanting to stay in my hotel room, like, oh, you know, getting room service or grabbing some food and bringing it back. And it's like, no, I'll at least go sit out Mm -hmm. and eat because, you know, at home, this is what I might do, but Mm -hmm. I'm not at home. So at least put my stuff out there. Day by day. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that's what I'm getting is more so to be able to push some boundaries for myself. So kind of even just to prove to myself that I can yeah. and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So I do have some fears. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't talk about them much because it'll compound <laughs> how other people feel. I think I only have one person who is supportive mm-hmm. and she's a travel client. Um, and I've done a couple trips for her, um, but she's like excited about it. She's like, she wants to see pictures. Well, I'm ready. We do got I'm a ready friend first. that is very excited who's been walking with you, and she she advocated when we had the dinner talk. Oh, but nobody's nobody's really excited about me going to be honest. But it's but I know that it's all from a good place. Yeah. People just really right. want me to be able to be safe, and they're concerned about. Um, the help that I, the assistance I can receive and being in Rwanda and Uganda, which is not known for, you know, it's not like I'm going to London or yeah. Tokyo or something like that. Cause I even had a friend tell me like, if you were going to Tokyo, I wouldn't be concerned. Right, right. But yeah, so. It's, but, but I would say what, what comes up, even with Liz doing her great facilitation of this um, conversation is that, you know, <laughs> I think we're, the, this is not an intervention for the friends, but I do think this is a conversation you should create a watch party for when this uh, episode come out for those who share my similar concerns. Because I think that even in this conversation, you're sharing some things that you haven't. And and I do think that this creates more space for others like who are listening to this, who have people who are, they're trying to support, whether friend or caregiving. What, this is a good time to pause to make sure that you're not putting your own expectations or worries on people that you're caring for 
and also just to check in to see what's coming up for the other person and what are they need for support and needs. And I think that's one of the big takeaways I'm taking from this conversation, even though I still don't want you to go on a trip. Um, <laughs> but I will say that the biggest piece is that, you know, I need to intentionally, as someone who loves you and is your friend, who's been mentored by you, who is literally living out the legacy you planted way back when we worked together. Like to check in as many times as I need to to make sure that I'm supporting you the way you need to be supported. And I think that we've been taking that for granted. Let's talk about this. I was like, 2020, we don't talk about it enough. But I think that's the shift for me in this conversation is, you know, I, I take that on the hard lines, right? Yeah. Race and women and the moms, like it's a shoot, a mass shooting. I'm calling the moms, I'm calling the, you know, like, yeah. but when you. With the everyday. The everyday. Everyday basics. The basic stuff. Yeah. The fact that you got this trip that you are looking forward to yeah that i don't have put all my fears and worries into that experience and i didn't leave space for your story to come up and that to me is the opportunity for uh, for me to check in not just with you but other people about these momentous things that i take for granted a trip And, and i will say this is that um so it's not necessarily a bad thing when you share some of those fears and stuff because like with my son like there are some things that I hadn't thought about and I need to think through more what ifs so like his thing about what if you you know break your phone that's valid he was like break it or it gets stolen or whatever you know and that's a valid thing what would I I do if I don't have that you know so I need to make sure I have things numbers and stuff like written down um, in Uganda, I'm not as concerned because I'm paying a tour company, so I'll have, you know, people with me. But Rwanda is, I'm completely yeah. on my own. Yeah. Um, I do know somebody who lives there, but it's like a friend of a friend. And the client that I have that's excited about me going, her daughter has a friend that actually lives there. She says she'll introduce me to. But, um, but again, those are people that have their live so even like the person that's a friend of the friend um she's my facebook friend i've met her before but we're not friends so you know i'm getting a hotel i'll plan my stuff you know i'll plan maybe to spend some time with her but i'm not putting taking i'm not going there and dumping myself Mm -hmm. on her because i don't know her like that like i'm coming to visit you yes ma'am next year house is is ready for you i'm going i'm visiting you and then um i have a cuban friend who's married and and just had a baby in um copenhagen Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah both of those she's gonna do it like i can't wait i can't wait till your uh your 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 podcast comes out right on like uh (laughs) how you navigate it yeah blogging video blogs whatever after my trip i'll i'll do a blog. Yeah. I know that I, I know we that gotta record. We gotta, record. we gotta record. We gotta, we gotta, yeah. we gotta try and record. Well, so, Jamie, like first, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Um, I think it's. I think we both. I learned so much from it. I hope the listen listeners learned so much from it. And I think we always end our podcast with a question for the audience. And I think we've posed a lot of them. <laughs> One is like, how do you not put your own perspectives and your own fears? into someone else's story, mm-hmm. how can you really lean in and have those criti- crucial conversations, brave conversations, whatever you want to call it, with someone else that is different than you, where you mm-hmm. find that commonality, but then you then layer it and really 
lean into that curiosity of understanding that other person's story mm -hmm. and where they're coming from and then saying, okay, yeah, you're here with me in the big moments, but how can you be here for people in the everyday, Absolutely. in the basic necessities? Because we, we talk about this a lot, especially on the, like the mass shootings, um, you know, the one in Buffalo where it was like their grocery store is gone for that neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? Like how, how are they going to access basic food? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's not like these big events, it's these tiny little things mm -hmm. that you, mm -hmm. you know, how, how you, how you create space for everyone. Yeah. Um, I also want to take in checking in, right? Like I yeah. think once again, we have said it too many times and now it doesn't create the meaning, but like really just checking in with people, right? Like people all, I mean, we say we're going to check in, but we really going in to do something and serve ourselves and say, oh yeah, we checked in with that person. They good. They good. Yeah. Why are you checking right. in? Right. Why am yeah. I checking in? And yeah. what am I trying? Am I creating the right time, the space? Yeah. Am I leaving space for them? Because the check-in isn't about me. It's about them. And so that for sure has been coming up with me. Like, am I going back to equity, right? What is that individual's person's need and how am I going to support them in that way versus mm -hmm. what's the most easiest for me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, this was such a good uh, episode. This we went a lot longer than yes. we used with us. This is what we <laughs> normally do. <laughs> we'll edit it. Don't worry. Uh, I actually have one more yes. thing. Just um, in closing, is for people to keep in mind just to treat people as individuals. So just because you know your cousin was in a wheelchair, so then you meet somebody else in a wheelchair, and you think that you know because this is how it was with my cousin, that that's how it yeah. is with you to understand that there are differences, different needs, different desires, mm -hmm. different wants, that kind of thing. So it's important, I think, to treat every situation or every person as new and individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, it's common. It's very common for people to say, I want to relate to you. Right. Whereas like, again, shout out to CDI mm -hmm. where it's like, no, you want that connection. Mm -hmm. You want to really see the empathy and the, the, the compassion right. for it. Right. It's like, you don't have to relate to every single person. Right. And it comes from the uncomfortableness, right? right? If you're uncomfortable, right. you're immediately like, okay, let me figure out how I'm going to grasp right. this. But and that's yeah. the neuroscience, right? It's, Your body yeah. is literally trying to decide yeah. how do I put this in the bucket <laughs> so I can navigate. Like it's just literally and that's why I think just going back again um, I think those crucial conversations mm -hmm. are important and just like being able to go through that format it's actually a book um, yeah just you know and that's like I said I think that that's a lot of it people just don't know how to have the that's conversations right. mm -hmm. and then that leads to you know other things like the person who didn't know the person's name so therefore didn't engage that person mm -hmm. in conversations and yep. things just because they didn't have a place to start yeah mm -hmm. absolutely or just start how about that let's just stop let's just start let's just start with the let's be awkward let's right? be awkward like, together I love me so easy right an awkward black girl and then turn into insecure but I'll tell you what if you look back at the episode she was just like just start like I'm gonna say the most awkward thing and get it out the room and guess what worst thing can happen is people are going to be silent or they are going to engage and yeah. either one gives you the place of courageous practice absolutely all righty y'all will follow us on instagram at more than words yes. uh podcast 
send us any questions or feedback yes. or anything that you have at Liz yes. and Shara at more than words podcast.com. Follow us on Facebook. We have a community connections group Ooh. and we're on YouTube, Spotify and yeah. Apple podcast. Yeah. All right, Jamie. Thank, thank you. you so much, Jamie. Woo.